All right, so we have been doing this series on Jonah. I did it in California, and I decided to bring it over here and do it with the teens as well. Um, and this is our third session. And we, le- we left off on Friday night with, with Jonah in the boat, and uh, he's realized that his sin, his running away from God, has affected all these other people on the boat with him, all these sailors, all the cargo. Um, and he finally takes responsibility for his actions. And he admits to the sailors that he's done something bad. He's ready to take the consequences for what he has done. And he ends up overboard. He ends up in the water, in the storm. And, uh, and a fish that's appointed by God comes up and swallows him. And we're at the end of chapter 1. Now, you know, there's all kinds of story, debate about whether this actually happened, about whether Jonah was actually swallowed by a fish. Could it really happen? Um, my dad saw an 18-foot hammerhead shark in, our cha- in the Salky Channel uh, last year. And he said it was, how big was it, Dad? That, that, oh, see, that big. Now, that's a fish story right there. <laughs> we can fit inside something like that. 55-gallon drum. All right. But Jesus considered this to be an actual event. Jesus cites this as an event in history. And I, I tend to believe Jesus. When, uh, in Matthew 12, verse 39, he says, but, but he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. He says Jonah was a prophet. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Now, there's a whole, there's, we can preach uh, the crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection on this um, as much as as much as we could tonight, but that's not what I want to focus on. I'm focusing on the fact that Jesus says even the men of Nineveh who eventually repented will be there at the judgment with, with all these people who are rejecting Jesus. So Jesus says these men of Nineveh were real, the prophet Jonah was real, the fish was real, so we can take this as a real event in history, not just a story that's intended to be a, a lesson that we can take a lesson from. So as we, as we go through this, acknowledge in your heart that this is something that actually happened and something that we can learn from. Now, many of you know that last year, coming back from Honduras, Darren and I uh, took a detour, and we ended up in Cuba, which was not pleasant. Right, Darren says it's not pleasant mild way of putting it. But when you, just the fact that we were in Cuba was amazing. And in Cuba, they can throw you in jail just because they don't like the way you look. And we didn't have any money. We, you know, we, would, we couldn't speak Spanish. And we were in this situation where we were very uncomfortable. However, what was the alternative, Darren? <laughs> By boat? No. We could have stayed in Honduras three or four months until, right, 
It just so happened that the next day there was a flight going to Cuba out of Honduras and we got stuck there. So what's the point? The point is it was unpleasant, it was stressful, it was one of the last places on earth we wanted to be, but it was the method that God had provided to accomplish his will and to rescue us. And tonight we join our hero Jonah, our hero, because he's so heroic, um, in his means of rescue. And I do say rescue, because as we go through this chapter, you'll see that God can use anything to rescue us from situations that we have gotten ourselves in. So let's look at chapter 2 and verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish. Now, how many of you, when you drive by Fort Montague and they've got all the fish out, what do we do when we drive by? We roll up our window, we hold our breath, and we try not to puke because it's such a lovely, pleasant smell, right? No, it's a horrible smell, and we try to avoid that. But picture Jonah in this, in the blood and in the guts and in the stench and in the acid of this fish. What does Jonah do? He prays. He still believes that in spite of everything that he has done, God is still listening to him. We need, we need people to listen to us. We need to know that people are listening to us. We need to know that God is listening to us. Psychologists make a ton of money listening to people's problems. People come in, sit on the couch, tell them their problems, and the psychologist says, well, why do you think that is? Well, what do you think about that? That's what happens. This is what goes on, and they get paid all this money just to listen to problems. But God, Jonah knows that God is the best listener that we can find. He wants to listen to us. He tells us to listen to us. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, he says, Casting all your anxieties upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything th- through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts in Christ Jesus. We pray because God hears us, and he wants us to talk to him. And chapter 2 consists mainly of Jonah's prayer to God, and gives us a good model of the Philippians passage on prayer as well. Look at verse 2, verse 2 through 4. And he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried for help from the depths of Sheol. You heard my voice. For you had cast me into the deep. Who had cast him into the deep? God. For you had cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me. All your breakers and billows passed over me. Here we get some more detail as to what actually happened when Jonah was thrown overboard. It says that the, that the sea was calm for the sailors, but for Jonah unless he just couldn't swim. Bring it too low. <laughs> this is what's happening. He's going down. The current engulfed him. Now, when, the, when there's calm, there's not much current. So this is what's happening. He's going down. All your breakers and billows pass over me. So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. 
what does Jonah feel? Jonah feels like God has abandoned him. With all this chaos going on around him and the waves crashing over him, he's so desperate. He feels like God has forgotten all about him. Abandoned him. And, and we get that way sometimes. When we're in the midst of our struggle, when we're in the midst of our trial, we can say, God, where are you? You've abandoned me. I've been expelled from your sight. But I want to encourage you tonight, don't give up. You might be dealing with struggles with your parents. A family member might be sick. Or some of us just feel flat out unloved by the people that we want to love. And it's been going on so long that we wonder if God really cares. But I want to tell you that God does care. He doesn't want you to give up. He loves you. God loves you. And God can use these times to prepare you for something for him in the future. He may be preparing others to help you. God just needs time to do the work in your life and in others' lives through this trial that you're going through. We see that Jonah didn't give up hope. In spite of his fears and the emotions of his situation, our, our emotions can grab us. Our emotions can grab us and throw us and cause us to just despair. But in spite of Jonah's emotions, and in spite of his despair, he still had hope. And he was still looking to God for his salvation and for his rescue. What does it say in verse 4? He says, even though he, he felt like he had been expelled from the sight of God, we know better. Because we know that God was orchestrating all of these things that was happening to him. And even though he felt like he was expelled, he said, nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. He still had hope. And I find it so ironic that in the first chapter, we find Jonah doing whatever he could to run from the presence of God. And in his sin, in his carnality, being away from God, not listening to God, not doing what God wanted, was the thing that he wanted to do the most. But now in the belly of this great fish, he craved God's presence more than him. Nevertheless, I will look toward your holy temple. That's what happens when we're deep in our sin. We want nothing to do with God. But when he gets our attention, and when he hurls a storm into our life, and we end up overboard, and we end up drowning, and we feel like all hope is lost, we realize that he is who we need to desire the most. And that's what he wants. He desires for us to crave him and desire closeness with him more than anything. And sometimes we have to learn to let go of other things, to let go of sinful things or things that have taken God's number one place in our life. We need to learn to let go of these things in order for God to have that spot again. Look at verse 5. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever. But you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Here we see that Jonah's a bit of a poet. 
this whole chapter is pretty much a song. And Jonah would have known the song, and he would know, have known how to write one. And in the Psalms, the writers would express a thought in one line, and in the next line, come back and say pretty much the exact same thing, only with a little twist or a little different slant. And so we see Jonah basically repeating what happened in verses 2 through 4. The water is encompassing him. He's underneath the water. The, we see now that the weeds have wrapped around him. But we, see, we find the twist, we find the little slant in verse 6, where he says, But you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. What does he mean in this statement? He means that God has rescued him. He means that even though he was down in the pit, to the point of death, God brought him up out of that and rescued him. So Jonah actually views this situation he's in as a supernatural rescue by God. This is a prayer of thanksgiving while in the belly of the fish. And when we're kids, in Sunday school, they teach us that Jonah being in the belly of this fish was Jonah's punishment. But the reality is that this is a rescue. This is not punishment. Jonah's punishment was getting thrown overboard and being in the storm and bring, being brought to the point of death. But God appointed this fish to come up and rescue him and pull him up out of the pit. This is verses 8 and 9. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving that which I have vowed I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. Here we see the expression of thanks by Jonah. Going back to Philippians 4 where it says, In everything, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And Jonah says, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. And I believe that many times our prayers seem to go unanswered because there is no thanksgiving. We ask, but just like your parents and just like your youth leaders and your youth pastor, God loves it when we express a grateful spirit to him for all the great things that he has done in our lives. What do you have to be thankful for? Shout it out right now. Health. Life. Parents. What did you say? <laughs> Sanity. Family. Very good, Gary. We can walk. We can hear. Touch. Teachers. Shelter. We have so many things to be thankful for. We've got our family, our friends. We've got food. We've got more food than, than we know what to do with. The house. I was thankful in California for a nice big jacket. Have you been grateful to God? Are you cultivating a spirit of thankfulness to your parents, to your teachers, and not only to them, but to God as well? Cultivating that spirit of thankfulness. But in this psalm, in this chapter, in this prayer of Jonah, we see that we're not only to be thankful, but also repentant. 
because Jonah says, Jonah says he's going to make a sacrifice with his mouth and he's going to follow through with his actions. Because he says he made vows. And what kind of vows do you think he made? Why was he in there? Running from God. Disobedience. For what? Where did, where did God send him? God sent him to Nineveh. And so I believe that Jonah is making a vow to say, all right, God, I will do this. I know I ran before, but I will do this. This whole prayer is Jonah acknowledging that he messed up and he wanted to make it right with God. And that's what repentance is about. It's about acknowledging our sin, agreeing with God that that it was wrong and turning from it and doing what we know we should have been doing in the first place all along. And it isn't some mystical thing or some magical thing that, that happens. It's a choice that we make with God's help. But we don't repent. It doesn't just happen. We have to bring our heart and express it to God. Finally, let's look at verse 10. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up onto the dry land. Now, imagine Jonah. He's been in this animal for three days. No iPod, no computer, no internet, no TV, no CD player, no music, no nothing. Just him and his thoughts for three days. And I went to Israel last year, and it was a nine-hour flight coming back from London to, to Nassau. And I watched all the movies that I wanted to watch, and I still had three hours to kill. And there was, there was a couple sitting next to me and a couple in front of them, and they thought they were in the pub. And they were just drinking and, and uh, just talking and carrying on like, like they had no idea that they were on a plane. And so for three hours... I had to listen to these people just go on and on and on about stupidness. Nothing that I cared to listen to. And so for, I just imagine for three hours, it was torture. When I was, when I was in California, I met uh, one of Pastor Sean's youth leaders. His name was Ollie. And he had just flown back from a place called Turkestan, I think. It took him 78 hours to get from there to California. He missed one flight. Well, they delayed one of his flights for a day and a half. But traveling from there to California took him 78 hours, over three days. Now, imagine being in Jonah's environment for three days. When we were at the winter retreat, we asked you guys to to, um, be alone for a half hour. How many of you could do that? How many of you did that with no, no struggle? Some of you had a real hard time. Imagine three days in blood and salt water and smell and all this stuff. I couldn't imagine it for three days. But I found something interesting as I was doing my study on this. Do you know how long you can survive without food? You can survive about a month without food. You know how long you can survive without water? Three days. I don't think there was any fresh water inside that ship. 
And I, I saw this, I found this information on Wikipedia, so I know it must be true. So, so imagine Jonah, when this fish vomited him up on the dry land, what kind of condition his body was in? Quite possibly, if it takes three days for you to die from dehydration, and Jonah was in this thing for three days, it's quite possible that he was on the brink of And when you're dehydrated, your body starts to convulse, you start to lose your vision. And so he was in a not great place physically. I have this problem when I go out in the boat. My dad's laughing already. Either I eat too much before I go out and I get seasick, and all that stuff inside my stomach is just washing around. Or, or I don't eat anything, and I go out and I try to dive in 50 feet of water, and I, and I exhaust myself and I almost kill myself. Well, I think I, I did both of these things one time. I drank a bunch of Pepsi, and then we went out diving, swimming crawfish or whatever, and I got really sick. And Dad had to just take me into the beach and just drop me off on the beach, and then he went back out and finished. <laughs> but I may have told this story before but I've, I was on that beach and I didn't have any fluid in me because I had been throwing up so much and I was just at the point where I, I was so exhausted and I just said God I said I'm going to go to sleep and if I don't wake up fine if I die right here on this beach thank you that's just how bad I felt but, you know, an hour or so later I woke up and... But th I, this is what I pictured Jonah was feeling like as he's on. And so, picture yourself, dehydrated, convulsing at the point of death, and God comes to you and says, now are you ready to listen to this? Are you ready to do what I want you to do? I'd be ready. Absolutely. Whatever you say, boss. And I want to remind you again, this was God's method of rescuing and bringing him to this point of utter brokenness, of total dependence, of absolute submission. He could willingly do what God desired of him. I ask you this question tonight as I close. What are you willing to go through? Are you willing to be brought to that point of brokenness? In this trial that you're going through that seems so hopeless, are you willing to totally surrender yourself to God? Are you willing to face pain? Jesus said that if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Right? Some of you need to do some surgery. Now, Jesus was not being literal, but he was being radical. Are there areas in your life, are there things that you know cause you to sin? Are there people, are there relationships that you have that you're holding on to that you know you need to cut off? We need to be willing to do whatever it takes to remove these barriers in our lives in order to be rescued, in order to be prepared for what God has for us to do. And we'll see in chapter 3 on Friday night that God can do great so what are you willing to walk through? Are you struggling with lust? Is there a relationship that needs to be... Is there a parent that you need to talk to? 
Is there bitterness and anger built up from things that have happened to you in the past that stop you from moving on? That stop you from moving forward in what God has for you? Is there someone that you need to forgive? Tonight is your chance to walk through that fire, walk through that pain, and to come out on the other side ready to leave it all behind forward in my God. As we go into our praise and worship time, examine your heart. Examine your own issues because we all have them. None of us is perfect as much as we try to pretend to be. As much as we try to put on the show for everybody. Myself included. Let's pray.